Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special Yearbook Advisor of the Year edition of Yearbook Chat with Jim. You're listening to the Wallsworth Yearbooks Podcast Network. On Thursday, December 12th, Becky Lucas-Tate was named the 2019 H.L. Hall National Yearbook Advisor of the Year. All of us at Wallsworth Yearbooks and the Yearbook Advisor community are thrilled for Becky and are so very proud of her and all she has accomplished in her 31-year yearbook advising career. No one deserves this honor more. I checked back in with Becky to hear all about the day she received the award. Well, Becky Tate, congratulations on being selected the 2019 H.L. Hall National Yearbook Advisor of the Year. That's quite a mouthful, but congratulations. Thank you very much, Jim. Thank you. I just want to check back in and see just how it went. I was so sorry I couldn't be there, but it sounds like there were a lot of people there. So first of all, were you surprised? Oh, to say I was surprised, uh, I was very, very surprised. Um, I was busy. It was yearbook hour. We've got a December deadline. There were mugs to take care of. And when my, <laughs> I know, it was just the usual. And one of my kids says, hey, there's someone at the door. Well, it's a yearbook room, so there's always somebody at the door. <laughs> right? I mean, there's always right. And so I was like, okay. And I was trying to finish up. We were, we were trying to figure out two things that weren't flowing quite right, so we were fixing it. And, you know, that takes kind of your attention. And then the kids are again like, hey, there's somebody here. And I'm like, okay, okay. So I turn around, and there's Charla. And then it's kind of like a clown car. There are people just kept walking. <laughs> there were, like, more people, like Charla <laughs> and Kelly. And then I saw my husband, who should be at his own school right now, not at my school, and Amy, Susan Massey and Amy Morgan and Tucker Love. And they just kept coming. It was more and more people. But as soon as I saw Charla, I knew what it was. It was like, yes. oh my gosh, yes, you knew immediately. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, so it was pretty crazy. And then, then there were Walsworth people there. Oh, everybody. Like, like I said, people kept, I was like, my kids the next day were like, there were so many people in here. And I'm like, yes, yes, there were. It was, it was quite, a, quite a crew. We had Don Walsworth. I had, of course, my sales rep, John Kelly, who's the best. Um, Jeff, everybody was there. There were so many people, and it was wonderful. Wow. So, yeah, what does all this mean to you now? Um, I don't know. I think it just means that we have to put out more yearbooks and make them just as good as us. I mean, really, I, I think it, it's like, well, there's a plaque, and that's really nice, but in the end... It's all about working with your kids and putting out good yearbooks. I think no matter what awards you get or don't get or where you are in beginning, middle, end of career, you just put out good yearbooks with kids. Yeah. And you're trying new things this year and it sounds like it's going pretty well. You know, with everything, there's always going to be that moment where you're like, ah, I should have done it. I like what we're doing, but I'm going to modify it this way. It's it's basic education. Um, monitor and adjust. Right. You're going to look at it. You're going to figure out what works really well. 
What's the part that didn't work as well as you had anticipated? And then what's that one thing that surprised you that was better than you thought it was going to be? Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so how did how did Dow pull it off? What are the behind the scenes thing? How did he get everybody there? No, he he got he had a phone call. I guess the principal and the principal secretary and those folks knew maybe a week or two ago. Yeah. And so it was the principal secretary who knew Dow. She moved over from his school this year. But so she texted him at 7.40 this morning to tell him. At 7.40 Thursday morning to tell him the morning of. And they, I guess they came in about 11.30 on Thursday. So he had, what, three hours to... (laughs) to get over to figure out someone to cover his classes to get to our building and he contacted the other journalism teachers and thankfully the administrators of their building were also very kind and said yes we'll find someone to cover your class so you can go over to north um and then even better he called my parents and my dad my dad will be 90 in two weeks oh and my mom's 84 and they had just started with a new carekeeper who stays with them during the day. Yes. And we were so lucky because she was able to bring them over. So that was that was the real surprise. And I think Dow was, someone had asked, Mike Taylor had asked Dow. Oh, and Mike Taylor was there via, they had him on his on I a saw phone. that. <laughs> yes. So, had everybody there. So yeah. um, it was absolutely wonderful though because they got my parents there and I don't think I was going to cry until I saw them come in. And then when I saw my dad and my mom, that's when I was like, oh, this is a nice moment for them to show yes. that everything that they had taught me growing up, that education was important, working with others is important, doing a good job is important. Hopefully it showed that what they taught me was important. Yes. What a special moment. I saw them in that picture. Yes. And I was just so thrilled. I've never met them, but you could tell how excited they were. Well, my dad was there with his camera. He had it around his neck. He was all excited. <laughs> so your dad's a photographer too. That's great. Got my first camera when I graduated from high school from him. Oh, how wonderful. Well, I just wanted to check back in and see how that day went. And I, you know, I'm kind of always trying to figure this out and something popped up in my time hop or whatever with Charla's picture. So I, so, so I knew and was hoping that they were going to do it before winter break because uh, it's a terrible thing to have to think about if it's going to happen all the way into January, because you never knew when they were going to do it before. And I started calling around. I talked to Mike and Mike, acted like he didn't know anything (laughs) and then and then all of a sudden boom it starts happening on thursday so i am so thrilled for you i you know your first year was in the it was in the 80s still right yeah yeah first year was the 80s yeah i've known you almost your whole career and you should have gotten this years ago and i'm so happy you were persistent to put your put your application in one more time because Becky Tate, Becky Lucas Tate, you deserve this, <laughs> and I'm so thrilled for you. I know that's what I told Dad today because um, I think he took a picture of the plaque and, and posted it on Facebook. He did, and I was like, you know, it says Rebecca. That's so formal, <laughs> yeah. and that's 
kind of funny because I don't think anybody I've ever worked with called me Rebecca. So, <laughs> and, and <laughs> I actually, crazy. it was, and I thought about it too, and I'm like, Ooh, I wish it kind of said Becky Lucas Tate because half of my career was Lucas. That's right. And to a lot of my former students, I still am. That absolutely. And um, yeah, like Jill Chittam, um, mm-hmm. one of your editors from the 90s who's mm-hmm. doing great things. But the other thing is, you know, you and you know all this, but people don't know this. You were a special recognition advisor in year one of I this know. recognition. <laughs> and then you were you were a distinguished advisor in 1999. When Susan was the yearbook advisor of the year. Yes. Uh-huh. And so, you know, after a while, you you stop putting your name in because you're worried about whatever. And we kept bugging you and kept bugging you and kept bugging you. And I'm so glad you did it um, because this is long, long overdue. Again, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Only with good people around you. That's what it's all about. Everything. That's what, it, that's what it's all about. And as you said, it's all for the kids. It is. It's all for them. Well, thanks for coming back on. Hey, thank you so much. You, you have a great one. My guest today is Becky Tate, my longtime friend and publication advisor from Shawnee Mission North High School in Mission, Kansas. Becky Tate has journalism in her blood and an amazing pedigree to prove it. She started her scholastic journalism odyssey when she joined both the newspaper and yearbook staffs at Shawnee Mission North High School in Mission, Kansas, guided by longtime publication legend Nancy Hall. She then attended Kansas State University, where she worked for three years with another incredible advisor, Dave Adams. After college, she was back at North to student teach and then started advising there 31 years ago in the fall of 1990. She is an inspiration to anyone who has ever worked with her, including five former editors who have become yearbook advisors themselves. I first met Becky back in the early 1990s when she was still Becky Lucas and we were both on the yearbook workshop teaching circuit. I remember when she and Susan Massey pioneered the idea of copying full yearbook spreads on a copy machine on transparencies that we would then flop on an overhead projector to teach great design to our students. Wow, my oh, things have changed. In the early 2000s, she met and married journalism teacher superstar Dow Tate from Texas and got him to move to Kansas. Now that's true love. The current momentous happening in their lives is that their daughter Morgan, long a fixture at journalism workshops and conventions, has just started high school. Not at Becky's school, not at Dow's school, but at Shawnee Mission Northwest with Susan Massey. Welcome, Becky, to your book, Chat with Jim. I know how crazy the beginning of school can be, so thanks for squeezing this in. Hey, thank you. Um, you made me laugh when you started talking about about all the old things that we had that we had scanned. I can't say scanned, that we'd actually copy, photocopied and used because just the other day I was cleaning out some cupboards, and sure enough, <laughs> here were like 10-pound notebooks that were filled yeah. with them. It still had yeah. some great design. I, I hated to let him go, but I did. 
Yeah, I finally threw away my slides and all of those. But I mean, that was revolutionary because you didn't have to have slides. You could like just have the black and white copied layouts and flop them up. And there we went. So that was that was amazing. Give me a little overview of your program at Shawnee Mission North. Gosh, at Shawnee Mission North, I have um, writers, designers and photographers that probably up until this year, I've kept pretty separate. And then this year, I've actually done some more teaming than I've done in, in previous years. And I'll tell you how it works out in the end for me. I don't know. It, <laughs> it looks good on paper, and it seems really nice. I like the feeling tone in the classroom a lot. But once again, i got to wait and see the proofs in the pudding. What do, your, what do your teams look like? Basic teams are someone who considers themselves a little stronger on the writing cap category, but still would be willing to design or take pictures because they kind of, I'm almost back to where I started 31 years ago. When I started 31 years ago, everybody kind of did a little bit of everything. And then I, as things changed and blossomed, I, we pushed everything out. So everyone had their own areas of expertise. And then I found that you've got kids who really like to be fluid and move back and forth between, you know, sometimes they want to take pictures. Sometimes they want to write. Um, and I found that if I really want to teach them all the, all the areas that they probably are going to need to know if they go into any kind of journalism, public relations business, they probably better know a little bit about all of the above. So my teams are pretty much made up of somebody who kind of considers themselves a little bit more of a designer, more of a photographer, more of a writer, but nobody's necessarily like that's their best thing in the whole world. Yeah, right. I, I always did that kind of thing where you had kids specialize as writers and designers and photographers separately. But I'm seeing more and more schools who are having kids do everything. And I mm -hmm. think, you know, pedagogically, that's the, really the way to go where kids have the full experience. You know, I had a lot of kids that would never do almost any design at all and very little photography. So I think that's terrific that more kids are getting a broader kind of experience. Mm -hmm. I think it is too. And I think especially with so many journalism programs or yearbook programs that are part of the CTE landscape, if you want to really be able to look and see what, what CTE is asking of these kids. So they are career ready when they come out, you want to make sure they have a little bit of all of this under their belt. Do they, are they necessarily experts? Some are because some have a passion. I've got a few kids who are photography. They, that, that's their passion. But surprisingly enough, I've also found that some of those kids can design. They've got a beautiful eye for, for design, and they use the same eye for photography, which is wonderful. Right. How many kids at uh, Shawnee Mission North? Um, the building has about 1,400. And how big is your book? The book is about 320 pages. And has that fluctuated over the years? You know, it's gone up to... 350 something I think that's the largest it's ever been and I think yeah. when I first came there it was maybe 280 oh no. yeah it was even less than that but yeah it was it was smaller when I first came there yeah when I started it was in the middle 200s we took it up to 370 once I don't know what I, what I was thinking <laughs> and then at the end it settled in nicely at about 280 something like that which is I think really doable for a 30 person staff. So, and then how, what, what are your sales like? I'm a numbers person and I've kept a spreadsheet of that um, since the early 2000s. 
and I take a snapshot of it, we're, we're lucky or not lucky as you look at it in Kansas that um, schools charge parents fees to go to school here. So they pay a book, like a book rental fee, that kind of stuff. So at the beginning of the year, parents could, you know, like I think this year, I think I paid like 250 for Morgan to go to high school. Really? Um, yeah, that includes like parking permit, which is like $60, like, which she didn't get one of those. So that would have been higher if I had to get her parking permit, but none of those. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the yearbook is in there. So some parents just buy the whole thing. But then it also yeah. makes it tricky sometimes because when they're paying all the other stuff, they may not want to pay for a yearbook at that moment. Then you have to make sure that you give them opportunities throughout first semester so they can buy one. Yeah. So on your spreadsheet, what's the most you ever sold and where are you now? You know, I think maybe 78, 82% yeah. might've been the highest. Um, and then right now I think we're right at, I try to get to, I try to get sales to break it a thousand. That's a good buy right nowadays. I work harder now than I did before. I spend more time thinking about it. But if you think about it, there's more things that people can spend their money on, you know. Oh, absolutely, yeah. More things. And a book is kind of old-fashioned, if you think about it. Because yeah. I don't see a lot of kids yeah. carrying around books, unfortunately. Just regular books to read. Some kids, but not a lot. But the nice thing is, any kid who comes into my room, and I've got books from North from 1922 on, our school's nearing its century mark, Um and whether the kid's a reader or not, when they come in my room, when they see those books on the wall, they'll always pull them down and look at them. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I want to go back a few years. Uh, were you born in the Shawnee area there? Yeah, I grew up probably from where North is, I don't know, a mile away. Same house, everything the whole time? Yeah, grew up was, well, I think my parents moved in when I was like six months old, but I don't remember that. But yeah, I was there from the time I can remember until my parents are still there today. In fact, we go there about three times a week and see them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. What a, how lucky to have both your parents. Mm -hmm. So you started at North. How did you get your start in high school journalism? I didn't mean to. I <laughs> took an elective class. I know I took an elective class in high school. Always like to write, always like to read, which are probably two prerequisites that they don't tell you about and took journalism from Nancy Hall, who's a phenomenal um, writing teacher, probably the best you could ever have. Great design teacher too. And she loved photography. Yeah. The trifecta. It was wonderful. Um, so I got to be on staff and probably the best part of it was my senior year. And we, back then the newspaper changed staff a semester. So you could kind of have more, try different roles. So by the end of first semester, I was like, all right, I'm ready to go back and be ad manager. That was probably my favorite job that I had because I realized since you were controlling the money, you had a lot of power. And like, I wanted us to have spot color, which back in the day, <laughs> in the 80s, it was a big deal, right? And so yeah. I worked and worked and worked and sold ads. Mission's a little tiny community, so you could walk up and down the streets. And I would just go sell ads to the different people who own businesses along Johnson Drive. It was awesome. What other jobs did you have? Oh, gosh. I was a mug editor and on the yearbook side and on the newspaper and ads manager on the newspaper side and managing editor on the newspaper side. 
writer for both. And I was, I took, Nancy had a photojournalism class and that was, so got to spend lots of time taking pictures for the, both publications. And that was back in the time when you had to paste them up too. So it wasn't just like you put it on a computer. You had to actually wait for the copy to come back. There was the wax on the back of it. You had to use exactly <laughs> tape. You had to put tape down. I was horrible at making corners. That was the worst. <laughs> uh, so were you, so back in high school, were you ever an editor in chief or an editor of any no, kind? No, I was never, um, like I said, I was always a section editor, mugs editor. Um, then when I went to college, I started out pre-med because that's what I always thought I wanted to be. I, I still, oh. but no, so pre-med, I love science. I love math. But then I saw that the yearbook was higher. I just was reading the, the college newspaper and saw that they were hiring. And I hated my calculus class in college. And I'm like, oh, look, I can go do this. And they paid money. So I got paid to be the mugs editor for the yearbook at K-State. Nice. With these 6,000 mug pictures that were still individually. It's not like you flow them today on the computer. It was back then when it was still a tiny picture. So you had like 6,000 of them all over the place. <laughs> Oh man, the Royal Purple. Royal Purple with Dave Adams. Why did you choose Kansas State to start with? Money. My, my mom said that she would pay for an in-state college, and so I decided I I, I wanted to go to um, Creighton, but that was out of state and it was expensive. So I was like, "All right, you'll pay my way," and so I'll just. But that was back when your first my first tuition check was like four hundred ninety eight dollars for the semester. <laughs> oh my. I know it was good, but I just, I picked Kansas State just because it was an in-state school. I don't know. I didn't really like the Jayhawks, so. And so then, tell me a little bit more about Dave and just how he influenced you. I kind of. Dave understood money, and he understood people. He made sure that there was enough money to make the publications affordable, and he also made sure that he understood people to make sure that I always considered him. He was a really good person. At, uh, figuring out people's strengths and like kind of guiding them toward whatever area their strengths would match up with. And that's a talent that I've tried to emulate. I don't emulate it near as well as Dave ever did it, but it's something that I, I keep that in my mind. When I see a student's strength, I try to make sure that they can um, be steered toward it, but then also learn a few other traits along the way. But I want them to see, I want them to, to feel good about that, that trait that they are really, really good at. Oh, that's great. Well, what do you think? What did he see in you in those days? How did he make you feel? He made me feel like I was a, an important part of a team. You can't ask for much more than that. No, you can't. You cannot. So then how did you make the leap back to the classroom? Uh, my mom did that for me. That was an easy one. I was in summer school after I'd graduated. I had one class left and this is before cell phones, right? So I had applied for a couple of jobs. One was a reporting job down in, in, in one of the small towns in Kansas. And the other was a teaching job at Silver Lake. And the superintendent, I had interviewed for both. And the superintendent from Silver Lake called my home number because back then that's all you had. And my mom picked up and the superintendent offered me the job. And my, my mom accepted it for me because it had <laughs> benefits. I would have summers off and it paid probably $4,000 a year more. At coming in at 17000 a year than the reporting job did. <laughs> I started at nine, I think. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, my goodness. So so you did have a, a dream to be a professional journalist at one point. 
I think that was, it was, all of it was probably, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not sure I ever had a dream to be a professional journalist, but I sure liked doing it. And I'm not sure what job out was out there, but the funny thing was I worked my first year at Silver Lake and I enjoyed it, had great kids, great school, but I decided that I would be stuck in small town Kansas forever if I stayed there because I liked it and I'm pretty much a creature of habit. So I quit so I could go work on my master's degree in journalism at KU. Oh. Yeah. So I went and I did that for a year, and which was phenomenal. I had a great time. I, I substitute taught a lot of times at North and then worked at Dillard's part-time. And so I paid my way through <laughs> – and lived at home. So I paid my way through grad school. And when that happened, the funny thing was that probably one of the days – the day I quit my, my job at, in Silver Lake, I had a phone call from the Kansas City Star – wanting to know if I was interested in an internship. I had I had applied for that internship like a year before, interviewed for it, had been one of the top three, but hadn't made their final cut. And somehow my name oh. was still on their list. They'd had a person quit at the very beginning of their internship, right when it was about to start. And so they didn't really have time to go do lots of interviewing. And it worked out perfectly. So I got to do some part-time work for the STAR while I was working on my master's degree. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was, it was a really good opportunity. And then my second year, I'd work on my master's. Nancy called and, and she was leaving and she's like, make sure you apply. And I did. And I got the job. Tell me a little bit about your first year with the whole publications program at North. Um, I think any first year anywhere, whether it's your first year <laughs> or you've done it for 30 years and you're taking on a, a different publication, a different building. I think a first first year is always um, a learning experience for everybody, for students and for you. So did you follow Nancy directly? So they, a lot of the kids had had her? Yeah, they'd had her. Yeah. So you're one of those advisors that took over for a legend. Yeah. The good news was I kind of, because I did my student teaching there and I went to school there. So I knew how Nancy did things. I didn't do them the exact same way. I obviously, because we're different people, but I probably stayed closer to what she did because it was what I was comfortable. You know, part of that was what I had learned. So it probably wasn't as difficult if I'd walked into a place that I didn't know that person and I maybe didn't have, hadn't learned or been trained in the same methodology. Right. So did you do photojournalism and journalism one and newspaper and yearbook, the whole thing right from the start? Right from the start. Yep. So, so there, there are a lot of advisors out there that are just getting started with their first year that might be listening. What, what bits of advice would you give that first year advisor that's just overwhelmed right now? Um, this too shall pass. <laughs> no, that's, I think, I think you just have to know that it's hard, but I think you have to know that um, the work is well worth it. I, it was funny. I was leaving school today and I, after school, I wanted to get some things done. And one of the students I currently have, her aunt is one of my former editors from 2000. And so she was like, oh, Janelle wants to come see you. And, and she has her nine-month-old baby, Sam. They live up in the Maryland area. So she was in town visiting. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to see Janelle. But there's so many former students that I keep in contact with. And this is even pre-Facebook day. But with Facebook, yes. I probably even keep more in contact now. That, that um, there's weddings. That, I mean, there's weddings and there's I, there's just so many there's so many benefits and so many, um, like you see people growing and learning and taking off in their skill sets. 
Um, I always like it. It's really funny. I sometimes have kids come back and introduce me to their boyfriends or girlfriends, you know, in college. They'll, they'll come back and introduce me to their significant others that they, they haven't, they're not engaged yet, but if they come in and introduce them to me, I always know that I'm going to get a wedding invitation <laughs> in the mail soon. I just, and it usually happens that way. Not always, but a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I always say, I mean, teaching is the gift that keeps on giving. Right. So over the years, do you have any books of yours that have special meaning or you don't want to say favorites because they're all our favorites because of the individual kids, but do you have any of your themes or anything that stand out to you? You know, the 97 book, the Building Traditions book. Yes. And that's still one of my all-time favorites. The kids work their tails off on it. And I have to give a shout out to Susan Massey for the, the theme because the kids have come up with the idea of of a building and a tradition and our building was closing early that year because we'd never had air conditioning and they were doing some remodeling and they're putting, which in Kansas where it's to be like a hundred, you would have thought they would have put air conditioning in all the buildings. <laughs> they, they didn't install any air conditioning in the majority of the buildings until the late nineties. So we used to have heat days where we'd have to get out early because it was too hot. Um, I know, see, it's crazy, but the 97 book. So they were, going to do some building and our building is very different. It's the original shiny mission. It, it looks very different in the front. It has some windows that are very iconic for the, for all the schools. Yeah. Like if you see those buildings, like, Oh, that's North. Um, and so the kids are working with the idea and, and they like the idea of building and traditions. And Susan's like, just said it. And it's like, look, you're not only building traditions, but you're building as a tradition. Um, and so yeah. the kids play, and it was a 75th anniversary if I remember right. And the kids played the heck out of all of it. They got a hold of people who had played on teams and interviewed. So they did the historical. They did all kinds of stuff. The content is really, really strong. So that's a book. Yeah. But there's other books in there. There's the 2000 books, one of my favorites. The 2005 book is one of my favorites. Wow. So tell, so tell me a little bit about your photo journey. How long did you guys print? And then when did you go total digital? The year that we did Building Traditions, my classroom moved from the math wing down to the art wing, which if you ever have a chance to move to the art wing, go to the art wing. It's an awesome place to be. We were too noisy for the math wing. They didn't like us. <laughs> they were nice people, but we were noisy. And I'm sure we were distracting, so I apologize to all those math teachers. <laughs> but no, we went to the art wing, and we had – so they put a darkroom in down there, and it was phenomenal, and it was gone – by 2007, you know, it was 10 years later, it was gone because we'd gone to starting probably the early 2000s. We didn't even print anymore. In fact, I got to the point where I just had the kids shoot on color that we could get developed and then I could, we could scan the negatives. So oh. it was great. And maybe it wasn't color, but it was black and white. That was what it was. It was black and white film could be color processed, C41 processed. It could be color processed. So I would take it over to the local grocery store. They would process it. I'd get it back and the kids would pick their pictures. And then we had we had old school scanners, like like film scanners, which you would never see today, but we had film scanners that you could scan the film. And so it was very different. And it probably was in the early 2000s we started getting digital cameras. And I shout out to the editor who I was trying to get cheap cameras and he was like, no, we need to get one really good one. And we did. And it was a workhorse and it lasted a long time and took great pictures. I think I finally had to put it to rest last year. 
<laughs> and how does what does photography look like today for you? Today it looks like kids who take the class have a camera bag that would include a short lens, like a 24-7, a long lens, a 7200, um, a camera body. I've got flashes, but we try to use natural light as much as possible. And that's, they go out, they shoot, they come back, we download, we batch rename, throw it into Lightroom, pick what we want, put the things that we like in an edited folder that are edited and ready to be used on a page. And how many of those rigs do you have? Mm, I don't know, 15 or 20. Oh my goodness. But remember, that's 30 years of, you talk about building a stable. It's not like <laughs> I went to the principal and said, I need, I mean, it's probably $50,000 worth of lenses. I mean, that's, that's slow and steady. That's like every time someone's like, or I, I was also at the end of the year when I knew they were trying to spend their budgets, like anything that was left over because they would sweep all the other accounts. That doesn't happen as much since 2008. But before that, when they would sweep their accounts, they'd usually have, you know, maybe a few thousand here or there. And I could say, we could really use a lens. <laughs> and I would oftentimes get lucky and I'd find a lens. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, I, th I think... I never built up my stable of cameras like that, like I should have. I would not buy in a couple of years and then they'd get old. And so I never had enough photographers out working. No, it was slow, slow and steady with that one. Um, and I really, I know, like I've listened to some other advisors. I really like my Canon lenses and I know they're way more expensive than some of the um, other brands, but I've been, they always play nicer for me. And your photography is always, you know, drop dead gorgeous. Some days. <laughs> I'm really lucky. So far this yeah. year, my kids have been on, they've gotten some phenomenal pictures. Hey, so let's talk a little bit about the flow of this year. Mm -hmm. Do you do much in the spring to prepare for the next year coming up? You know, we didn't last year. I think last year we, we have a really late deadline. Like we have to have everything done by April 7th, something like that. Yeah. So, and we're only in school like a month after that. Like we, the, the seniors are out right around the 7th of May. And then we have finals for the underclassmen. So by then we have a month left. And so we just did a little bit of like some basic, everybody played like with a mini theme and they presented to the class. And that was about yeah. all the time we had. So some years, if things are going really smoothly, we've got, we can start more in March a little bit with playing with that. Um, so I'm hopeful that this year, the way we've got deadlines slowed out for this year, I think I'm hopeful, knock on wood, that we'll be able to start with our theme presentations earlier so we get a little further along. And then, of course, I take as many kids as I can to camp in the summer. Um, for the past 20 years, we've gone down to the Gloria Shields um, yes. shop down in Dallas, which has been wonderful. And I think every year I take between 10 and 18 kids. And... The ones that go, I think, bring back enough knowledge that it's well worth their time and effort and money to go. Do you go to Elite Weekend? We do. Um, over the years, probably because Mike Taylor is a genius and got us to start going, I don't know, a long time ago, 15 years ago, a long time. And it's been wonderful. Like I take the kids and it gives them a chance to not be distracted by everything else in the world at least not as much and just concentrate on your book theme. And that could be the time that anymore that that's usually the place where either my theme from the summer makes it or we break it <laughs> and we, we come up with something different. 
Yeah, because it, it's great to have all those people there and giving their input and it's not you giving the positive or negative feedback. And I think it makes a really, a really great difference. So tell me a little bit about how you start school. Do you do any trainings with just your kids right before school starts? Or what do you do ramping up right before school starts in the first two weeks of school where we are now? You know, we spent the first um, two weeks of school. I, I didn't do training before school starts because we went to summer camp and then the rest of the summer is mine. You know, I don't want to, I'm not going to try to give up all my summer. Um, right. yeah. good. good call. Yeah. Um, it would probably be really good to have a small mini camp, but I'm, I'm not, yeah, that's just not me. I'm not doing that. Um, people do it, I, I didn't. Either. I know. I applaud them. They're awesome. Yay. <laughs> exactly. I applaud them. Um, so no, once school starts, then it's like almost like a three week or four week. We're in our, we're actually in our fourth week right now. Um, oh my goodness. Boot camp. So right now what we're doing is photographers, do they know how to use a camera? Some of them do, some of them don't. Some of them have taken photo classes before. Some of them have never used a DSLR. So we're going to work on aperture shutter speed, um, ISO. And then we're going to work on once you know how to take pictures, understanding like when you're outside, where you should stand for sports, where you should go. When you come back in, you immediately have how the workflow goes for your room. And every teacher is going to have a different workflow. So we batch rename, we put in their folder. Well, they do. They batch rename, they put in their folders, um, all that kind of good stuff with the, and that's mostly the photo people. Then the, and because I have a separate class for some of the photographers, not all of them, but some. So I, so I can kind of work with them a little differently, a little bit more one-on-one with photo. And then in the other classes, um, we'll work on writing to make sure you understand just some basics, how yearbook writing is different from English class writing. Because inevitably they want to throw in words that I'm like, why is this word here? Like, would you say this in the hallway to somebody? And they laugh at me when I say that. And I'm like, no, I would not say that. And like, so what word would you use? And we, you know, we, we go through and we kind of normalize journalism writing to make it sound like something that like, oh yeah, I can do this. And they totally can. And it's relatively formulaic. So once they get the formula down, we're good to go. So do you still teach leads and transitions and all that stuff? Yep. I took a Sharpie. No, I had a vis-a-vis and I wrote all over my table. The cool teachers upstairs have these really cool tables that you can like flip around and turn them into whiteboards and all this stuff. So I just took an old school table and made it into a whiteboard. It's not really, but it worked. Yeah. Like we talk about passive voice and active voice, you know, all the, all those kinds of things. Comma inside a quote mark, what attribution is, how to use, you know, use the word said, not says, all that. Yeah. And so yeah. then we did captions. The yeah. last two days we've done captions and it worked out really nicely because the newspaper needed, they've got a photo page on the back and they needed captions for their photo page. And I'm like, excellent. I have all these people who will write those captions. And so that's what they've got to do Friday. Perfect. And then and then your target first deadline sending real pages October, is roughly when? October. It's like right around Halloween. Right. Yeah. Last week of October, first week of November. Last week of October, yeah. yeah. And then November gets a little tricky because, of course, there's Thanksgiving. And then this year we've got <laughs> JEA, which backs up to Thanksgiving the week before. So right. our November deadline is kind of smaller because we don't have much time between. Um, but I'm trying, like, this book's going to be different, Jim. Like, I have taken it. Um, in past years, we always had work nights on Wednesday nights that would go till 
Well, when I first started teaching, every Wednesday we'd be there till 10. And I saw, I, I had some kids tag me in a post the other day because they would always take time off. Parents would bring in dinner at six and then the kids would eat. And then they would always take time off and sneak away to the, teacher next, <laughs> to the teacher's next door room and watch 90210, Beverly Hills 90210. That was like the thing. So of course, with the reboot of it, they were all like talking about it and they tagged me in it. They're like, remember when we used to, you know, sit in the journalism room, watch that, which they would from seven to eight, then they'd finish working and we'd all go home at 10. So I did that for maybe 15 years. And then over the years, I backed that down to like, we'll be done by eight, you know, and I would still, there'd be some nights we'd be there till 10, but I try not to. And this year, um, we're only staying till six and we're only doing every other Wednesday. So yeah. I'm like, I think it's pretty much like that creature and fantastic beasts that'll grow to have a large, whatever the space allots, it'll grow as large or as small as it needs to be. Yep. Yeah. We had, we used to have Wednesday night work nights. And when my daughter, 2009, my last kid was the editor in chief. She said, this is dumb. We don't get that much done. Let's not do it anymore. <laughs> and we never, <laughs> and we never did them after that. And we were fine. So, uh, you're so right. If if you do it, they'll fill the time. And if you don't do it, the book still gets done. Yeah. So I still work I still work too many Saturdays. That was my downfall. Right. No, so I've got I've got that. And then the book this year, I've we we scoured other books around the country. We're doing um bi weekly coverage, so every two weeks. Oh. And for part of the book no the book like I said, it's it's a it's Sure. It's a world of, of other things we've seen out there. So there's going to be yeah. every two week coverage because the kids are afraid to do weekly. Though once we started, they were like, we think we could do weekly. And I'm like, too late now, next year. <laughs> Let's get. The- so they're, they're, they're doing a full spread on a two week period. Right. Yeah. That's and then, awesome. And then I've given them a sheet that pretty much, I pretty much make a Swedish, we've made a Swedish flag out of the, on the sheet. I make like a Swedish flag. Right. So you've got your four quadrants to play in. One's going to be three aren't. <laughs> Um, they have an optional fifth yeah. that they want to put in. So it's story A, B, C, D, and optional E. Um, yeah. I give them, they've got academic clubs and sports. And for sports, it has to be non-varsity, JV, freshman, sophomore. Um, and I've got a big, I had the kids make big, I call them bingo boards. And it has all of that. So one bingo board is clubs and it has all of the groups co-curricular um, after-school clubs all on the same bingo sheet. Um, another yeah. bingo sheet with all of the sports on it, so all of the JV, freshman, sophomore, whatever sports. And then one with has all the different departments, and then within department it actually has the different classes that are in that department. And so yeah. bi-weekly they have to pick four different things. So one academic, one sport, one club, and then one they can go back and pick whatever – whatever's going on in the building that intrigues them that they want to write about, take pictures of design. Um, and as they pick stuff, they have to mark down what page number it is. As they do that, I highlight that square and we're going for bingo blackout. <laughs> yes. I love so it. It's, I, well, I'll tell you if it works in the end. It, it sounds like it could work, but we don't know. Yeah. So, so will all these pages be lumped together in a section? <sighs> kind of. So then we kind of took things that were more student life-ish or maybe things that were too big for a week. So when you get to the homecoming, you know, you could do a week of it, but then like, what's, 
what's some uh, what's let's do a special page on homecoming dance like the stuff that or there's the yeah. what's in the backpack pages or um maybe you have some more serious topics that you like to like last year we had a page on jeweling because it became hugely problematic in our building things like that right um so those are kind of mixed in with the weekly in places that they feel organic like it feels like it would go there obviously yeah, a homecoming sure. spread is not going to be toward like the end of the you know toward like march or something it's going to be up in september probably after yeah. the week if i remember right i think it's either before i think it's after the week that it goes with so we kind of tried yeah. to make that organic um and then the kids were afraid to give up this because we thought about mixing in the sports in there too but that that yeah. they were afraid of that that was too much so we still have a separate sports section which made them happy oh. so we'll see and it probably will make them happy because one year we mixed sports together with all kinds of we mixed sports we mix multiple sports on a page. You can ask Jill Chittam about that sometime in her 95 year book. Oh, right. And I think that that was one that people didn't love as much as we would have liked them to have. It was a cool concept, but I'm not sure the sports because teams want to go find their own page. Um, and then we've got all of the reference material you need mugs, groups, index, all that good stuff. Ads. Oh, this sounds exciting. It'll be different. I, it'll be different. Yeah. I, we, we need to give a shout out now that you mentioned her. Uh, Jill Chittam was one of your students, one of your editors. My 95 yearbook she, editor. she is now one of the finest yearbook reps in the country in the Dallas, Texas area. So shout out to Jill. Shout out to Jill. She's a phenom. She is a phenom in every way. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Two things that, you know, come out. Um, I think it's a, I want to applaud your kids for trying something new. Um, they shouldn't be afraid of doing weekly. We did weekly once. We did every week from week one to week 36, our final deadline. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt like we did real journalism. I mean, we were out there hunting stories and really on the lookout for what needed to be covered. And so many things got covered that never would have made the book before. Mm -hmm. So I think it's tremendous. I think it's a tremendous way to go. And even if they go biweekly, it's terrific. So another another little line of questioning. You are married to a journalism advisor. How do you balance having two, three, four, six, or whatever publications you guys do together? How do you balance all that family wise? Um, Dal's better than I am. He's 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 good at at not doing a Saturday and things like that. I'll. I'll still go up on Saturdays and work. So that's probably, probably shout out to him because he's the one who's like, okay, if you go up and work, then I'll make sure Morgan gets to, you know, whatever practice it is that she needs to get to or whatever. So we kind of team it pretty well. I can't say it's perfect, but we try our best. Yeah. And, um, it, it, it must be hard trying to keep everything balanced with everything going on like you do. And Dow's book is so much bigger than yours. It is. It is. It's like our book. On think, it's probably, he does two. It's like, it's not quite two of ours, but it's, it's in there. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> close. What, 500 and maybe 70. Something, something like that. Yeah, it's, it's a big like book. That. I know his, he only uses 80 pound paper cause it was a hundred. Woo. Be a heavy book. Oh, they only use 80 and it's still that big. Oh my goodness. <laughs> 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it more manageable, but no. So he, so, but the good news is we can share like sometimes if he's at work night working with his kids or I'm with my kids, um, we'll text each other, like he'll FaceTime or whatever. So we can, Hey, what do you think about this design? Or what do you think about that? (laughs) And the other part that's kind of interesting is that sometimes our kids will come up with similar concepts, but it's not because Dal and I have talked to, it's like, we see them after the fact and it's like, Hey, my kid's doing that too. So I think it shows a couple things. The kids are all influenced by what's around them. And they're both in the, the kids are in the same general area. So they're going to see the same billboards, the same, whatever visuals are out there. Um, and Dal and I teach somewhat alike, not totally. He's much more dynamic and much more, it's a whole different teacher. I'm probably more, I don't know, just different. So you're mellower. Probably. He's Texas. <laughs> probably. Um, yeah. So he, so that's, that's a difference, but it's interesting to see that, that sometimes they'll come out with things that are relatively close. So it just kind of shows me that the kids are picking up visual cues everywhere. Yeah. And I, I you know, I would say there, your books are never similar at all. You, you both have your, your schools have their unique styles. Your kids go in different directions. Oh, yeah, the, I would never say. The book say. itself goes totally different, but sometimes there'll be a, a visual cue somewhere in there that you're like, wait, we have that same visual cue. So I don't know if, if the kids yeah. see the same thing at a workshop and they all like it so much, they, they grab it as an inspiration piece. I don't know, but it's just kind of funny. It happens sometimes. And the other really nice part is we're really lucky in our district um, because we've got five advisors who work really, really well together. Yeah. And amazing. there's, you know, that that's, I'm not sure other places have it. Um, I think somebody once asked, we were working with, there was a brand new group working together. I'm like, well, how do you guys all get along? And I'm like, well, one of the teachers is my husband. One is, and two are former students that at West and at South, <laughs> those are two former students. And then Susan was teaching high school when I was in high school and we always looked up to her publications. So it's really kind of funny how it's just one big group that sticks together. Yeah. I think, I think that really needs to be, people need to understand that, that the community that you have here, there's a community like that in Florida. There's a community like that in Texas, that the energy just feeds off one another to keep your programs growing and getting better. And I think that's why you see so many great books in those areas. And that's a beautiful thing in every way. Mm-hmm. So one other thing I have to ask about, I know that you, and I think it's you, number one, you're kind of obsessed with all things Disney. Oh gosh, it's Crystal Kazmierski's fault. Tell me about your love of Disney. <laughs> no, I didn't know I loved Disney until... The Anaheim Convention, I don't know, a long time ago, when Crystal took my kids, Crystal's kids and my kids went to Disneyland. And that was back when there was just Disneyland. And it was fun. And then a few years later, Dow and I went to Disney World for the first time. And I, it was everything I thought I wouldn't love. Because I enjoyed Disneyland. It was fun. Disney World's a whole different place. Um, yeah. It is. It's much larger. It's a whole different world. Literally. And so we went there and everything, it was amazing how they would have all of the stuff. And the next day, the parks would close at two in the morning and we'd be back out at 8 a.m. the next day. And places where people would trample flowers, you know what? There were brand new flowers out there. Like, And the people in the parks were the nicest. Everybody was nice. 
and it was fun and there were shows and it was visually, maybe it's the visual part of it again. I Disney, I, I always find places where I'm taking pictures of different signage just because it's so done so visually well. I like the type. I like how maybe they've taken a piece of whatever the princesses, the colors, they've used different things to tell their story. And which is kind of what we do. We tell stories. So I think I like the way Disney tells their story. Um, and I think that I just ended up having a huge affinity for it. And then down I went on our honeymoon there. And then we go back. We're taking my mom for Thanksgiving this year. We've been I've been trying to get her there for 10 years. So now on her 84th birthday, we'll take her to Disney. Perfect. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, well, one one last question, and we'll wa- wrap it up here. You've given a lot so far, but is there any other specific advice you'd give to our advisors out there? I think have fun. Um, remember that you're helping kids record history because that's what they're doing. Um, try to get them to as many workshops and to hear as many different speakers as you can because I think they influence kids I want to say more than we can, but in different ways than we can. Sometimes they hear things that you've already said 55 times and that outside speaker says it once and they're like, Oh, did you know that? And you're like, wow. Yeah, I did. Um, (laughs) But it helps. It just helps reinforce what you're saying. And I think the other part is the more you can bring in professionals to work with them. I think the the better it is. I love bringing in professional photographers to work with my photographers. Um, I've never brought in professional writers. That would be a really cool thing to do. But that would, so if I could bring in a professional writer, that's probably what I should do. I have former students who are designers who are kind enough to, maybe they'll Skype in or they'll, if they live in town, they'll drop by. Um, and then the other part is to remember to, to set whatever you set your deadline goals for is that it's for the students, not for you. And it's not your book to do, it's theirs. Well, that's great advice. It's a great way to end here. And I just want to thank you for being on your book chat with Jim. And over the years, I have appreciated our friendship. You've inspired me and my kids. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting to work with your kids a little bit next weekend at the Kansas City Elite Weekend. So I'm looking forward to seeing you soon. I'm looking forward to seeing you too. And you'd like to know that I've got, well, the other thing I didn't mention to your book advisors is you should trade books when you order some, if you can afford to keep, you know, 20 books back that you can trade with other advisors around the country. It's one of my favorite things. My kids look forward to getting other books. I know you can digitally exchange now, but it's still not as good as the real book. And so if you can exchange with other books around the country, I know I get advisors that send me emails and if I have an extra book, I'll sure try to send it to them. Um, And I've got another set of people like you who I traded with for years and years and years and there's some books on yeah. my shelves that I've never gotten rid of. And you, you could come to my room and you'll see a lot of, you'll see a lot of your old books. I probably, <laughs> the majority of them, probably the last 15 years worth of books on my shelf. Yeah. And, well, that's great. And one of the books I love to show, I always like to show your tree, how you use the tree in many different books. Um, yes. <laughs> and then one of my favorite books when I talk about theme is, I'm going to get this wrong. Is it something different? What is it? It's the blue and white one that had two covers. Oh yeah. Some things, some, some things never change. Is that what it was? And then you open it up and it says never say never. No, no, no. It's not that book. You gotta go back further, Jim, to the early two thousands when you guys were getting they were putting in new outlets and they were Oh right, yes. That's uh yeah, um 
Slightly altered is what it was. Slightly altered. And that's one of my favorite books yeah. to teach theme with Jim. That all-time yeah. favorite books to teach theme. Um, and I love to tell the story because that was when you had two different covers, one for the seniors, one for the underclassmen. Yes. Yeah. And I love to, right. I love to show that one. That's I, I It's up yeah, on the shelf exactly. and I pulled off and I show the kids. And sometimes they're like, there's a lot of circles in here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. But look at the nice curvature here. Because <laughs> when it was really hard to curve type around things, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, look at this detail. One of my all-time favorite books. So thank you for allowing us to have great books on my shelf at school. Oh, well, thanks for saying that. And thanks again for, for coming on. It's been great talking to you. Thanks, Becky. Thanks, Becky.